And it's one, two, three, get some whiskey and me tea. Make sure it's Irish whiskey, that's whiskey with an E. Give me one, two, three, pour some whiskey and me tea. Let's drink to the health of our nations and for peace and liberty. So it's one, two, three, get that whiskey flowing free. May a parting glass be not our last, their souls forever free. Give me one, two, three. Guten Tag, meine Freundinnen, und willkommen zu meiner Show Potsdam Radio. Ich heiße Matt Healy und heute bin ich bei Gorolo Callahan. Er ist in Deutschland und in Hamburg. Ist das richtig da, Hamburg? Ja? Mega gut, Matt. Vielen, vielen Dank. Und, und mega cool, dass du mich eingeladen hast. Da, da, da freut man sich. Und alle Deutschhörer auch unter uns, die mal auf Englisch hören müssen, jetzt kriegen die keine Einleitung irgendwie auf Deutsch. Mega nice. <lacht> <laughs> well, welcome to my show, Gerard. Everyone out there in podcast land, welcome to another episode of Potstill Radio. As always, I'm your host, Matt Healy. And in this episode and in this series, we are going abroad to learn about the world of Irish whiskey and all of the markets outside of the typical Irish and UK Anglophone-centric Europe. So I am delighted to be joined today by Mr. Gerard O'Callaghan, who is in Hamburg, Germany. And he is an independent whiskey consultant that has worked with a number of different Irish brands all across the country of Germany. And I want to welcome you to the show. So, Garod, welcome. How are you? Hi, Matt. How are you doing? I'm, I'm great. Uh, we're, we're enjoying the winter weather. It's nice and sunny in Hamburg. Uh, it might be good weather for a little whiskey later on. Well, exactly. I might have to do a little uh, little cheers on, on the radio. But um, before we do that, I do want to say a very big thank you to this series' sponsors. Firstly, the Dingle Distillery has been creating some of the most beautiful handcrafted spirits since 2012. Dingle Gin was awarded the best gin in 2019, and Dingle Vodka was just announced the best Irish vodka for 2021. Dingle Whiskey itself continuously matures in the mild, moist climates of Ireland's southwest coast. Hand cut from the edge, keep your eyes peeled for something special in May 2021. Find out more on dingledistillery.ie. And McConnell's Irish Whiskey, aged for five long years, this fine blend of Irish malt and grain whiskies is gently rested in select bourbon casks, bringing out beautiful overtones of vanilla sweetness and providing a deep oak woodiness and light char to the finish. Follow McConnell's Whiskey across social media or visit mcconnellsirishwhiskey.com for more information. And finally, Two Stacks Irish Whiskey, a contemporary revival of an Irish whiskey heritage independently bottling and blending sourced pot still malt and grain whiskies from across Ireland's new and expanding Irish whiskey landscape. Find out more at twostackswhiskey.com. I suppose for the people out there, you're sitting at your home in, in Hamburg. Uh, for those out there who don't know who Garoto Callahan is or what an independent whiskey consultant is, can you give us a little background about what you do and I suppose uh, the, the work you've done with Irish whiskey in Germany? I mean, that's a, that's a great question. What it, what it basically is, 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 look, I moved to Germany a long time ago, so I think 2003. I think I, I started working in, a, in an Irish bar maybe in 2005, had no real contact with whiskey at that stage. Um, started learning about it, started loving it. And then later I, I moved to Hamburg and uh, Hamburg is in the north. It's a, it's a big city and it's the second largest city. It's, it's, uh, it's metropolitan, it's got the water, it's all these things. Um, and I started going to whiskey tastings and, and, and the, the quality of the whiskey tastings was, was terrible. Like it was really terrible. Um, you can complain about these things or, or you can kind of do something, you know, kind of against it. Um, 
So I started organizing my own kind of whiskey tastings with my sort of spin on it and people loved them and I enjoyed doing them. And then one thing sort of led to another and, and I realized, wow, there's, there's a huge market here. And especially, you know, like uh, a market between, you know, younger people and older people and, and, and each one has got their kind of thing that they love about whiskey. But it's fascinating to see kind of my sort of home spirit, if you will, being able to connect through gender, race, age, all these kind of things. And I mean, that that's if that's not a reason to work in that industry, I don't know what is. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, Germany is one of those places that you, you, you'd you think geographically a bit of a distance away. The language is a little bit different. Uh, actually, one of our closest linguistic neighbors, if you take the Irish language through the Germanics, but they obviously sound nothing alike these days. But, uh, but you know, it's it's uh, interesting, you know, you were saying before the we started recording off mic that there's a lot of ties between Ireland and Germany you might not think about. Pre-COVID, it was the eighth largest uh, Irish whiskey market globally, which um, I think is very interesting, but also the fact that it's probably jumped up a couple of spaces uh, since COVID. Um, what I suppose, what do uh, German consumers and whiskey drinkers think of Irish whiskey? What do they know about Irish whiskey? How do they how do they drink it? Uh, deep dive us into your into your world. Well, this is this is kind of something that's one fascinating, and and also you know you realize wow, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, Irish whiskey is on on the scale in Germany but it's nowhere near where it needs to be. It's, it's a, you know, for Ireland, it's, it's an important export country, you know, not just for whiskey, for, for plenty of other products as well. But for, for whiskey, you know, Germans like scotch. They drink a lot of scotch whiskey. They always have done traditionally. And right now I find myself in this kind of amazing opportunity phase because look, there's Brexit number one. That's sort of going to give people maybe a challenge to look at, at something different because like people don't know you know i've heard stories of people ordering bottles and them getting stuck in customs or costing extra and people say hey maybe we could look at irish whiskey definitely has fans it always has had fans in germany irish whiskey has um and i think again it comes down to that who's drinking it and what are they drinking it's very difficult to find exact statistics because we've always got importers and they've got their statistics and some of them share them and some of them don't um you know you said it's the eighth largest country or it was pre pre covid are we talking volume you know is this the kind of is this the jameson regular stuff is this tullamore jew or are we talking middleton very rare kind of category the answer is it's it's everything and it's nothing so super, super interesting. Um, what I do find is who comes to a whiskey tasting, who wants to drink Irish whiskey, that depends how you sell it to them. If you put your marketing and your, 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 your focus on one group of people, you know, they're going to come. If you put it on another group of people, you know, they're going to come. And it's a question, what do we want and what do we want to represent as, as Irish whiskey? I mean, hopefully later as well, we can talk about the, you know, the greening of Irish whiskey, uh, you know, outside of the country, because it's a, it's a super fascinating theme. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, when, when Germans are enjoying their whiskeys, whether it be um, Scotch or Irish, um, are, are you seeing a large, uh, I know you don't have the exact statistics, but are you seeing a large consumption in bars or is it, you know, when they were open uh, or are you seeing more at home consumption for the, the likes of the brand spirits? 
for neat drinkers, the bars, it's it's tiny. You know, it's it's absolutely tiny. Um, there's there's a quite a famous like Hamburg cocktail bar not too far away from where I live. It's been there since I don't know 1990 or something like that. Um, you know, famous around Germany, whatever else like that. They have I think they've got 200 bottles of whiskey open, and of them maybe 10 are Irish whiskey. So that'll kind of show you how it's being represented on the shelves. It's it's still an exotic. You will go into a bottle shop and you will see more bourbon and you'll see more Japanese than you will Irish whiskey. And yet the volume of people is so large. It is 85 million people, 85 million people with a with a huge sort of you know disposable income. We've got very low alcohol tax. Uh, we've got a lower VAT. So, so, so people buy whiskey. They like to drink whiskey. But Irish is still down. They must be drinking it at home. They must be drinking it in tastings. Yeah, of course, Irish bars are, are, are definitely important. Drinks, not yet. I, I don't know of any bar, you know, like, I mean, they're all closed at the moment, but I, I, I didn't previously know of any bar where you could just go in and order, you know, an old-fashioned and it would be made with an Irish whiskey. And, I mean, we know that it's made with a rye, with a bourbon, whatever, but you know, where you get this in America, where you get bars saying, look, we're going to use the Irish whiskey for this cocktail and we're going to use the American for this and whatever. You, you don't tend to get that here. So it must be at home. It must be. Well, that's very interesting. I mean, there's obviously large uh, possibilities and, and opportunities for the Irish category, as you're saying, with the low alcohol tax and the low VAT. And especially when, when consumers are already inclined towards brown spirits. And I know that there's quite a large number of uh, whiskey distilleries popping up in Germany at the moment. So it's definitely not an unknown category um, amongst our, our German-speaking friends. Um, do you find that the knowledge of uh, the German consumers that you engage with uh, about, you know, even just the facets of, of uh, the history of, of the Irish producing whiskey or uh, as a whiskey-producing nation, do, do people... Yes, was have that knowledge, or or is it very Scotch centric before they land into one of your tastings? Mm, some do, some don't. You know, so, some people come along because you know they love Ireland, they love Irish whiskey, they've already had contact with it, and they and they want to they want to see something more. Some people, you know, maybe they're planning even a trip to Ireland, and they think, well, look, maybe we'll go to this, you know, Irish whiskey tasting and see what it's like. Some people as well maybe might have already tried scotch and thought, look, I like whiskey, but I'm not so sure about scotch whiskey. Maybe I don't like the smokiness or I don't like this or I don't know, all these kind of different, you know, cr crazy kind of preconceptions that people may or may not have. And then it's interesting to see who turns up. The one thing I do know is is, is I, I focus on Irish whiskey, but I also do other whiskeys. Um, funny little anecdote to that. We did this. Uh, scotch whiskey and taco pairing about maybe a year and a half ago and you know the people people were literally queued up outside the door to 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 get in in the hope that somebody else would 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 cancel we said yeah let's do this again it went down really well same bar same same tacos better menu uh better organization <laughs> better everything but this time we said we'll do it with irish whiskies um the first time I kind of did that, I had to cancel the event because there wasn't enough people to come along to it. So we moved the event slightly 
And I mean, we we got like I don't know, we got like fifteen people in, but compared to the original thirty that wanted to go to the Scotch whiskey tasting, you can see what kind of a foothold other global whiskies have compared to Irish. So that means you know there is an interest one hundred percent. But we as kind of Irish whiskey ambassadors, we have an awful lot of work to do, and it's super exciting. I think the the transparency thing is is a big deal as well. So you know. From what I know of a lot of Germans, the guys who really like whiskey, they tend to then kind of take that as a as a cultural education as well. So they'll like whiskey, then they'll get interested in Scotland or the other way around. Then they'll take a trip, they'll visit some distilleries, they'll meet some people, they'll really use it as a kind of a, you know, as a way to learn. That was fine. You can do that now with Irish whiskey, but I mean, look, fifteen years ago, who were you going to go visit? There was basically two and a half, three distilleries for you to go visit, and 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 that was it. It wasn't that kind of Highlands road trip that you could have done. <laughs> um, that's different nowadays. There's 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 plenty to see. There's plenty to do. It's super exciting. I do, however, find that the lack of transparency in in the Irish whiskey industry. I think it was fine for a while, but I think internationally it, it holds us back. Okay, do you want to d- deep dive a little bit more into what you mean by the the what 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 facets um, of of whiskey are are, are uh, less transparent than your uh, the, the what what do you mean in which aspects? So what I mean is is, is look, we, we're all interested in whiskey. We work in the industry. We know that you know spirit A might be made in in distillery B. And that distillery C is is distilling, but they're also buying spirit from uh, distillery A and B. And and some distilleries, you know, they, they hang that on the door and they say, look, that's the way it is. Some don't actively hide it, but they also don't really try to put that out into the light. And what I mean is, is that's that lack of transparency that when consumers get interested in the whiskey, so maybe they try something from Middleton and they like it and now they're into Irish whiskey and then you know they go to they go up to Antrim and they try something from, from Bushmills and they like that. And then maybe they'll try another sort of extra brand. The first contact with the brand is some kind of story about the distillery or, or how it is or how it wasn't or the history or whatever else like that. They start drinking the spirit and then maybe maybe a month into their journey, they find out, wow, this this comes from one of the two distilleries I've already um, you know, tried the spirit from. So I think there's kind of a feeling of, whoa, have I been fooled? Is it is it really that way? What's the liquid in the bottle? Where does it come from? And then when you try to make a kind of a cultural trip out of that, it kind of leaves you flat. So again, this is also big kudos to the to the bonders out there who who say, you know, we're bonders, we don't distill, we, we're just doing this. Or the distilleries that say, this is our product, we're 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 happy with it, but it's it's not the product that we're going to be making in three years' time because now we're distilling by ourselves. Please come enjoy our stuff, enjoy our branding, enjoy our, our idea. But you know, in, in three or four years, this spirit is going to be very different. Some do it well, some don't do it as well. And I think for consumers that kind of makes that makes that makes a gray area, kind of muddies the water. Uh, I think people kind of feel like, oh, I, I don't know then. And that's for the real, that's for the real diehard nerds. Um, and again, this is why I say at the moment, we've got an opportunity to, 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 really, to really walk this because there's fantastic spirits out there. And, and touching on, on that a couple of times, you've said there's a lot of work to be done for whiskey ambassadors and brands and whatnot in, in country. What... Uh, what do you see, like what what needs to be done, I suppose, in your mind? 
I think, oh, that's a really hard question. I think we'd have to, we'd have to break that down into a couple of things. What needs to be done, the lack of transparency has to be, has to be addressed, definitely. I think as well, the issue, you know, and I mentioned this before, of, of the greening of Irish whiskey, that's, that's very, very dangerous because it works to sell whiskey. And I mean, I mean, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with the term or, or is this something that you've never, you've heard this before, right? The, the greening of Irish whiskey. I have, but it, it, that's a very particular term, Gro. Do you want to explain that for people listening in? I mean, look, when we export products from Ireland, we've got a kind of an easy sell that started somewhere in the sort of 60s, 70s, where we introduced shamrocks and sheep and uh, long hair. Yeah, and kinda. plastic paddy and, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, long haired, red headed girls with, with, with dew on their uh, on their noses out in the fields, drinking pints and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, look, some of that is true, but it's an easy sell and it's a very easy sell. But the problem is, is you run out of road really quickly with it. There's a very specific type of customer that that enjoys this kind of the greening of Ireland. Um, and it's quite attractive at the very beginning to say, look, we're going to organize an Irish night and we're going to make it into a Kaylee and we'll hang up shamrocks and all this kind of stuff. Um, works, but it doesn't work long term. And, and I think that's that's something where we have to all band together and say, look, distributor, sell my whiskey. Yeah, but don't go down the road of, of greening. Uh, look, marketing company. Yeah, I know it's pretty easy to, to, to hang shamrocks on the doors and, and put leprechauns on the bottles. But we're not going to be able to long term get into bars, into actually drinks where we're being taken seriously for, into oh, I don't know, you know, the target group that's 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 working, that's young professionals, that's diverse, that's uh, you know, that's multiracial, that's 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 more than one gender consuming it. And I think that's more the work we have to do to see, look, we've got an opportunity. Scotland is Scotland. It is the way it is. Japan is the way it is as well. But we've almost got this kind of second chance. We had the world as our oyster, as a, as a whiskey nation. Um, we lost it for multiple reasons. And now we're being given this chance to have it again. So what are we going to do? Are we going to go down the easy route of, of greening? Or are we going to say, look, there are young professionals and, and like... I mean, Matt, you work in the industry in Ireland. You know how diverse the, the scene is compared to compared to 20 years ago. It's it's completely different. And I would like to see that modern Ireland being way more reflected in in what actually arrives in marketing, packaging, labeling, and everything else when it gets to you know foreign countries. So your your greening virus whiskey reminds me of the the well, the reviews that the new Jamie Dornan movie, Wild Mountain Time. Uh, Fantastic, right? Yeah. We've the, all seen the, that. The, the bizarre Irish accents that went on, the girl and the tweed in a little farmhouse. Um, and you could almost be forgiven. Um, you could almost forgive how, how twee and crass it is. Uh, and if it was set in like the 1890s or the 1930s, uh, but in the middle of it, they just start talking about like IVF treatments, and then they go to modern day yeah. Manhattan at the end of it. So like, it, it's it's a it's a bizarre reflection of what Ireland might be. And and in fact, there was a there was a Belgian whiskey label from an independent bottler there a while ago, um, which was an Irish whiskey with a 
a ginger haired bearded man in a tweed suit sitting in a field, uh, super like against, uh, against a rainbow holding a first place prize potato. Um, uh, and well, that, Matt, I mean, I'm sitting here like that right now. I mean, just, just sorry to interrupt, but I'm, I'm literally, I've got my prize potato collection here, you know, uh, just holding I've it. Got, just holding it, I've got rainbows and, and all this. You know, I import, uh, you know, actual grass and sheep from uh, from Ireland just just so I don't get homesick. That, well, listen, then you're leading the charge of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I am. You know, I, I'm. I, I sounded like I was against it, but you know, I I am the one out there greening Irish whiskey, definitely. Exactly. So, um, when when you're looking at at the at the German market, you know, you, there's you say there's a lot of work to be done, but there's in, in some ways there's there's uh more focus on irish whiskey in particular in in one or two facets and you know the likes of uh marika spitzer with her company irish whiskeys de um where she is a, a almost a, a entirely uh dedicated irish whiskey or irish spirits importer and distributor yeah. some, uh, which, gin, some, some whiskey exactly as i was just saying exclusively Irish whiskey until I realized she, she has the, has other spirits as well. Um, but she's doing a Trojan work in, in, as a, as an importer and an advocate of which you would almost hope that every country would have one, but I actually don't think I know any of uh, sole Irish spirit importers in any other countries around the world. So outside of the big brands, like who are you seeing, who are you seeing in the German market? Who's putting in work to, get out to German consumers. This isn't saying that other people aren't, but you know, are there some highlighted brands that you think are, are doing a good job in the German market? Not to say other people aren't doing a good job. I mean, it's, it's a tricky one because at the moment, you know, nothing is particularly visible. There's stuff that we can see and there's stuff going on online and, and everything, but you know, the on trade is completely cut off. So you know, we're kind of, I feel like at the moment, I don't want to say I'm, I'm wandering around blind, definitely not, but you're only getting half the half the story. Um, I think it's easy to sell bottles to people that are at home at the moment who want to try different things. Um, you know, we're seeing some fantastic new sort of ways of, of connecting with whiskey drinkers as well be it, you know, online tasting sessions or, you know, drinks recipes to, to move at home or everything else like that. Some of it comes down to the distributor and some of it comes down to the to the driving force of it. Um, again, it's difficult because I always see what's in my local bar, what's in my local bottle shop, not what's coming on my, my Instagram feed. And, and neither of those places I can actually visit at the moment. So like if I go, if I go down to the, you know, the list of top 10 brands uh, at the moment, you know, you know uh, JJ Corey is on that list for the, for the first time ever. Um, that's pretty exciting, but I, I don't know if Louise's products are in the, in, in the bars yet because well, the bars aren't open and it's the same in the bottle shops. I don't know where they're being placed and how they're being placed in front of the consumer. I think everybody involved in in all the selling of of, of whiskey directly to customers, uh, that's working really well at the moment. But what happens post lockdown? I'm super super excited to find out. On top of it, we can't um, we can't sort of go past the, the the power that some of the larger online retailers have. And I'm not not just talking about whiskey retailers. I'm talking about 
you know, the, the major sort of retailers like like Amazon and so on, they're responsible for a huge amount of whiskey, you know, being sold inside the country. And at the end of the day, I think that kind of driving force, it comes from the distillery, from the brand owner, and then from the distributor on the ground later. So then at the end of the day, it comes down to people, you know, like myself as well, who decide, look, I'm going to organize my whiskey event with, with this kind of person in mind. And, uh, and that's interesting. So of the, of the brands that are outside it, you know, among sort of, you know, whiskey lovers, you're seeing JJ Corey, you're seeing for Colin, you're seeing, you're seeing Waterford that's turning up in, in just regular people's houses. And I mean, these are companies that, that just weren't there 10 years ago. So fast, you know, some of them weren't there five years ago. Um, absolutely fascinating. And I, I think that just that just shows as well, you know, for the bigger companies, they see this too and they go, okay, we, we now have to up our game too. And I don't see who's losing out of this because for me as a consumer, as an organizer, I've got better products at my disposal, better than ever before. Well, I mean, all, all of that is 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 very true i mean i think around the world it's reflecting in the fact that in some places you can't go to your um your liquor stores or your off licenses i don't know of many places around the world where bars are actually open i know in the us that they've kind of either half capacity or still open to some degree i have friends in my news feeds all the time from australia and new zealand who are going about their lives as as normal same in iceland going on they're their lives is normal because they're almost at COVID zero um, due to very, you know, very stringent regulations. Um, but here, and I know in most continental European countries that we're not seeing that kind of openness and, 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 you know, for good reason, but very unfortunate for the fact that we can't, you know, I can't meet you in the pub in Hamburg uh, or no, in Dublin. At the moment we can't. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, and, you know, that's something as well. I had a, a product release, release with another Irish whiskey company during the week, and it was great. It was it was really nice. It was super interesting. Um, but, you know, we all said at the end of it, wow, how good would this have been in the pub? Like with this group of sort of, with this group of 10 people who really have got something to contribute to the whole thing. And, uh, you know, the, the knowledge and the and the will to get the, the product out there this would have been some awesome discussion in a, in a pub. Not possible at the moment, and nobody's crying about it, but still saying that, uh, yeah, uh, strange, very hard as well to get the full sort of picture. Also, for, for us, when we talk about Germany, Germany is a federal country. It has 16 states, and what happens in state one isn't the same as in state two. Germany's huge. You know, it's a, it's a massively long and wide country as well, with a very, very you know, large population and large population of adults. You can't forget that either. So the amount of whiskey drinkers is, is quite high. But for example, Munich and Hamburg and Berlin, those three cities have absolutely nothing to do with each other, except that they do share a kind of common law and, uh, you know, more or less the same language, but culturally they're completely different. And, you know, you can't speak to a consumer in, in Hamburg the same way you can speak to a consumer in, in Munich. That's not possible. In the middle of the country where we get into sort of, you know, the areas around Frankfurt, around Cologne, around Bonn, that's, they're kind of, they're, they're such weird places because 
The cities are big, but they kind of flow into each other. You can walk from one city to the other without realizing that you're in a different city. You might have it sometimes that on one side of the river is one city and on, on, on the other side is, is a different city. And you, maybe as a tourist, you might not already recognize this. Um, so obviously how whiskey drinkers, you know, organize their stuff in, in those kind of areas com completely different. And um, that's... That's super interesting for us as well, because we have to decide when we do events, look, are we aiming for this kind of group of people in Berlin or this kind of group of people in Munich? And um, and then there's, there's the countryside too, and they're all different consumers. I'm going to take this moment uh, just to say uh, a little thank you and have a word from our sponsors. First up, we have Two Stacks Irish Whiskey, a contemporary revival of an Irish whiskey heritage independently bottling and blending sourced pot still malt and grain whiskies from across Ireland. New and exciting Irish whiskey landscape. Two stacks are driving innovation and transparency in their creations from detailed sourcing and blending information on their labels. And of course, let's not forget the launch of the world's first straight whiskey in a can, their Dram in a Can. Find out more at twostackswhiskey.com. And of course, Dingle Distillery, who've been creating some of the most beautiful and handcrafted spirits since 2012. Dingle Gin was awarded the world's best gin in 2019, and Dingle's Vodka was announced the best Irish vodka for 2021. Dingle Whiskey continuously matures in the mild, moist climate of Ireland's southwest coast. Hand cut from the edge, keep your eyes peeled for something special in May 2021, and find out more at dingledistillery.ie. And of course, McConnell's Irish Whiskey, aged for five long years. This fine blend of Irish malt and grain whiskies is gently rested in select bourbon casks, bringing out beautiful overtones of vanilla sweetness and providing a deep oak woodiness and light char to the finish. Follow McConnell's Whiskey across all social media platforms or visit mcconnellsirishwhiskey.com for more information. So, Garo, uh, taking on uh, from that point, what does uh, what does a whiskey launch in Germany look like during COVID? What does a whiskey launch look like in Germany? It's more multifaceted. So previously we would have um, possibly with an ad agency or if it was a smaller budget without the ad agency, we would have decided on the product, decided on maybe two sort of events in, in two sort of metropolitan areas. We would have organized something to to do, to see, to make it interesting, maybe some drinks, recipes, and then, you know, obviously enough to invite, invite journalists along. Some would enjoy the evening, some would not enjoy the evening, some would write about it, some wouldn't care. We all know these kind of things. Of course. Uh, yeah, sometimes you would have 20 people turning up and at the end of it, there was only 10 there. Uh, and, and other times you would have 20 people turning up and there might be 30 outside the door. Um, I think with with COVID, you know, a lot of whiskies haven't been released. That's also something we have to, to really acknowledge. There were an awful lot more whiskies planned to be re released for the German market uh, 2020 that, you know, were just moved to 2021 or 2022. It doesn't do them any harm to, to, to wait a little bit longer. So what does a release look like? I think it's a bit more multifaceted and I think it's it's much more media oriented. Um, there's online tastings. There's, you know, the, the the whiskey blogger has never been more important than they are than they are today. Um, yeah. On top of it, you know, there's 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 media that has to be sort of produced and produced to maybe a higher spec regarding videos, recipes, all these kind of things, and then that is sort of put out into the world and can be viewed, you know, for, forevermore, if you will. Um, also interesting because. You know, some of that stuff is really exciting. 
and maybe four years ago we wouldn't have been able to convince anyone to give us the budget to make a tasting video or to make a, you know, a cooking food pairing video or whatever else like that. But now all of a sudden that, that, that budget is there. Live events are expensive. Live events, um, you know, they, they cost a lot of money for one evening and everything has to go well. But, you know, with, um, with, uh, with these kind of online stuff and, and all the media stuff we've got, we can kind of take our, our budget, we can divide it up as, as much as we can and we can get almost more out of it. There's, there's a phrase in, in, in German that we use, it's, uh, it's like, it's, it's called salami tactics. And that means, you know, I'll cut off a piece of salami and I'll cut off a piece of salami and I'll give it to you. And eventually you'll have eaten the whole sausage without ever realizing uh, that you have. And I think that's the same with how we roll out a product in the, in the COVID times. <laughs> Good analogy there, Germans and, and sausages. I might bring in beer and football in a minute um, just to get all the cliches. But that's kind of what we can do is that, you know, we can go at something way more multifaceted. And before you know it, uh, there's a fairly good campaign been strung together. And, uh, you know, is it is it perfectly legal to advertise openly in the public couponing billboards tv radio whatever all fine, you want. All fine. Yeah. scandinavia is different but but germany is is fine you know certain things you can't do but it's 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 uh it's pretty easy it's pretty pretty easy um on top of it you know the age for spirits is 18 the age for for beer and wine the drinking age is sort of 16 uh people in germany don't drink how they would possibly on you know in, in the uk or in ireland it would be a more kind of measured sort of, you know, little and often rather than uh, than, than large amounts. And, and all that speaks to, to whiskey drinking, especially to more, I don't know, more exclusive, more sort of, you know, high flavor uh, um, uh, spirits where they're being more enjoyed rather than they are being consumed. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I always find a lot of the continental European nations have a, have a very different attitude and consumption patterns to to ourselves here in the little, what do they call it now, the European archipelago over here. Uh, yeah, exactly. Or the Atlantic archipelago. Um, so, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking to people around the world uh, for this series. And, and, you know, in Ireland, we've just had, you know, even more restrictive laws put on alcohol advertising and, you know, discounting is now illegal and you can't get loyalty points on alcohol anymore. You can't do three beers for nine euro anymore. You can't have any of that kind of multi-buys. Um, you know, we're in our next, first Next episode. day, we closing the pubs. <laughs> One step ahead. Um, well, actually, you know, like we talk about, you know, we're joking about that, but in uh, South Africa at the moment, they're under prohibition with COVID regulations and they keep slipping in and out of prohibition. Um, and they announced in the news there a couple of weeks ago that they're holding on to a number of their prohibition laws when they come out of lockdown, um, absolutely strangleholding the the kind of alcohol consumption on in their country. So, in in some ways, you'd be fearful in some markets, and in others, you're you're doing fine. And in our first episode of the of this series, we spoke to uh, Sandy Karavansky in 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 Russia, and you know one of the things I think consumers always find unusual or uh, or unexpected is you know russia's a dark market like france yeah. can't can't advertise um alcohol so that obviously brings lots of different challenges to to how you know you or i do our jobs you know um and and like you said it's uh 
it's it's you 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 have to work with journalists but in some cases you can't work with journalists and then you're into bloggers and you're you know some places you could you're constricted with social media so it's a very interesting um different avenue but it's it's good to hear that the that the market is, is free and open in germany anyway they kind of i mean i don't know this this at the least the the appearance of the seat of democracy of the european union at least so <laughs> keep the cap yeah, de de definitely but i mean like we can't uh, um like a lot of like life in general in, 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 in Germany is, is outside. So like cafes, restaurants, all that kind of thing, you know, especially in the north, depending on the weather. Uh, and even on a cold day, people will still prefer to sit outside in the sunshine than they will anywhere else. But at the moment, even, you know, if I was to go meet a friend, I, I can't drink a whiskey outside. I can't consume any alcohol. Um, so it's not prohibition, but, you know, basically I, I can at the moment I can consume whiskey in my own house. Or, you know, if I want to take the, the risk of going to somebody else's house, I can I can do that there. Um, but that's really it. So it's tough. And, and I think, again, this just shows you with Irish whiskey, you know, it's more popular than it ever was before in Germany. But, you know, the, the, the possibilities for consuming it have reduced down to almost zero. So again, that has to, that has to show us guys, you have to get on the, on the, on the, on the back of this because, uh, people want to consume these liquids. They would like to buy them. And I think, you know, again, we're getting back to, to where we were sort of at the beginning. We've now got a story to tell. Each individual distillery has its story to tell. Um, the the amount of, of kind of material that we have as as marketers, as, as sellers, it's just it's just fantastic. Like it's it's less work for us for a better event. The one thing I will say is there's a huge difference with the live event compared to the online media sort of tactics. And I think what it is is this. When it's online, it's very difficult to make an emotional connection to the brand, to the whiskey, to anything else like that, because there's no shared experience. Whereas you're focusing a little bit more on the liquid, maybe. Maybe on the actual marketing coming from the company. Um, again, pros and cons to this thing. You know, the, the, the Causeway collection from Bushmills came out here and it was basically bought up in, in seconds. You know, there's, there's, there's almost none of it left on the market. Um, I've often asked myself, how would that have been if we'd have released it, you know, in a, in a regular way, in a, in a kind of a live event sort of way? Would it have gone quicker? Would it have gone slower? Would there have been more hype about it? Would the price have been different? I, I, I can't tell you. I don't think anybody can at the time. Um, the work that the distributors are doing is 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 great. Like you know, they're they're good. They're really really on the ball with it, with plugging into what works at the moment, with using the right agencies and speaking to the right customer. And I mean, you know, I find like you're saying that you don't get that emotional connection in a lot of ways with uh, the onlines, but in other ways, you know, if you're watching at home. And, and the two of us are talking through a whiskey or whatnot, and the person has a sample in front of them and they hear from the producer, they also have the ability to, while they're sitting there emotionally connected to it, they open a second window and they can go to Irish malts or to irishwhiskies.de and you can you can pick up a whiskey um, pretty instantaneously rather than if you're at an event, you're you're not taking a moment out of that live event to to. To, to go online in. shopping yeah exactly so there's a, there's a difference you know consumption pattern as well and and purchasing pattern when it comes to a lot of those 
Um, and I know that like the social media has a lot to do with it as well, but um, I am getting in constant notifications now on this new social media app called Clubhouse, um, yeah. which is this, for people who don't know it out there, it's kind of, I think the best way I can describe it is kind of like live podcasting almost. Um, you, I think you know, it's a, it's, I, I always say to people like this, look, did you ever did you ever listen to a podcast and think, I know something about that and, and want to raise your hand and start talking into it and going, hey, I wish I could put my opinion across. And I think with Clubhouse, you, you can, you can kind of, you can kind of butt into the stream of the, of the podcast and say, hey, 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 I've got an idea about this. Well, I know uh, you're you're a fiend for the the clubhouse because I get blown up with notifications on that as well, Mister uh, at GOC on on clubhouse if people want to follow right. you. Um, but you know you're you're um, very active in in both the the anglophone but also the German speaking clubhouse rooms about whiskey, and I don't know does does this new form of social media do you think it, it it helps AIDS drives or is it, is this just more a consumer space? Do you think that brands will be able to jump on this in the future and, and work towards more knowledge or at this point, is this as, as important and as, you know, impactful as speaking to yourself on Twitter? No, it's different because I mean, on Twitter, it's one way. Um, Clubhouse is a real, Look, for me, what I like about it is this. There's people I've followed. There's people that have followed me and we've never spoken because of just geographical restrictions or because of timing. You know, there's people in Ireland that I've spoken to on Clubhouse where even when I've been in the country and I mean, the year before last, I was there a week of every month. Um, and, you know, there just wasn't time to meet up with these people. And now all of a sudden you're able to uh, you know, chat to them and you're like, wow, OK, we are in line with each other. I know we've got some completely different opinions. The The question of language is very important as well. You know, if you speak multiple languages, Clubhouse is fantastic. You can now get your message across in multiple languages. Whereas, look, anything that's, that's visual, you know, it's kind of limited to a, a short text underneath the picture, and, and that's more or less it. Um, so just a little bit to me as well. When I first, 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 the very first time I ever lived in Germany, I did a summer job working on a, a campsite, putting up and down tents and all these kind of things. And I didn't speak any German at the time. Fantastic summer. Um, but I noticed that when we were in the pub in the evenings, uh, you couldn't talk to half the people. So half the people could speak English, but half the people couldn't. Maybe some of them could understand it, but they couldn't speak. And for me, that didn't seem right that I could be in a room with 20 people and only get the opinion of, of 10 of them because it doesn't give me a, a good sort of reflection of what it is. And I think we as Irish as well, we can learn languages. You know, you know most of us speak some sort of, of, understand some sort of level of, of Irish and you know, we have French in school or maybe German, but we don't ever really get a chance to see how important these, these sort of languages are. Um, and I noticed it with Clubhouse because just through dividing it between English-speaking whiskey rooms and German-speaking whiskey rooms, you notice in the German-speaking ones, wow, there are 10 voices, 20 voices whose opinion I wasn't able to to receive beforehand, but now I can. Um, that's, that's pretty, pretty interesting stuff. And that can't hold us back. That can only make it more. What I don't know about Clubhouse is, is it going to be? Is it going to work 
after the COVID restrictions, I'm not sure, but for the moment, it's it's a very good tool. Um, I'm not joking you. I have learned more through, you know, Clubhouse discussions with producers, distillers, everything else like this in the last month than I would say I have in the last two, three months before that working in the industry. And it's just, it's fantastic because none of it's rehearsed and it kind of goes where it goes. Uh, my wife has, has started to say she's a clubhouse widow. <laughs> she's lost you. She's, I'm, I'm gone. I'm gone. <laughs> Very good. Well, and then I suppose moving on from that, how, you know, you know, how well or, or lack thereof have the German distributors and shops and brands and, you know, Irish whiskey distributors picked up the kind of e-commerce um, online world of of actually engaging with consumers with, with social media during the pandemic? Because I presume e-sales and e-commerce is, as you said, the most important thing now because through the roof. their bars or shops. Well, look, there's, there's, there's two kind of sides to it because, you know, even my local shop for a while, uh, you know, I've got, a, I've got a whiskey shop that has a huge collection of whiskeys from all around the world. Um, I couldn't go into the shop. I could order the whiskey and pick it up at the door. So, you know, you, at some stage you kind of ask yourself, you ask yourself, why am I, why am I going to the shop if I'm doing click and collect? I could just as easily have it sent to home. And then that makes you realize, wow, this sort of e-commerce thing, it's its not only here to stay, but it's its its so, 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 so important. Um, I also wonder, look, when it comes down to the post-lockdown things, you know, are, are people going to go absolutely mad? Like, I think we're all dying for a pint and a whiskey in, in, in the pub at this stage. Um, I'm not so sure how that one continues regarding the summer and everything else like that. I know I've got some events planned and they're super, super interesting and they all involve not being in your apartment. Still less contact, uh, but they involve not being in your apartment and being outside. Um, and that's, yeah. I did, a, I did a whiskey walk in Hamburg in, uh, I think, November or something last year. Um, because of restrictions, I couldn't take so many people on the walk with me. And the idea was, you know, look, we go to, we go to four bars or five bars and we try a different whiskey in each bar and we walk around the city, semi guided tour kind of thing, chat about whiskey along the way, all a little bit more relaxed. You know, people aren't sitting in the same seat the whole time. Um, it went fantastically. Um, I would say when I put the event online, maximum 48 hours later, it was completely booked out. Uh, so online is there. Yeah. 100%. But I think when we can, again, we're, we're going to want to go for these live events, but people aren't purchasing the stuff there. I know for a fact that three of the guests that were there with me at, on that day, cause they wrote to me about it afterwards, um, did Amazon subscriptions, which I didn't even know was a thing. So you can subscribe to whiskey on Amazon and every you know, three months, they'll send you a bottle of your favorite Irish whiskey. Uh, so, wow, that's, that's nuts. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and how, you know, how important do you, or maybe not how important, but are, 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 are brands that invest in having, uh, you know, a German speaking advocate doing better than not, or are the distributors doing a good enough job in terms of 
getting the messaging across and and the the sales and marketing people you know a- advocating for the brand uh, within the country particularly when when say a smaller brand doesn't have a german speaking you know marketeer or salesperson well i think at the end of the day look if if you do something in the you know let's say in, in china you you're, you're going to need a fixer to help you out with the whole thing um and i think it's the same if you want that same success let's say in germany now most people do speak english yeah but you know look 60% is most people but what about the other 40% um i think it's super important english is exotic english is cool english is the the language that you use for work it's the language that you use for consuming media but at the same stage um there's a lot of kind of things that do get lost in translation there's also kind of a status thing not everybody speaks english as well as perhaps their neighbor or their friend or anything else like that so maybe they'll pretend they understand when really they haven't understood it at all um when you go to like scandinavia and you go to the cinema that the movies are in english and they've maybe got subtitles but you know still in germany when we go to the cinema here if you don't go to an original language uh, cinema you know everything has been dubbed because that's what the market still wants they they don't necessarily want to be consuming their information in english and their time off um both have a role to play yeah of course english is fantastic for selling whiskey but you know that local language skill is 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 super important. I but don't do see it. Do you see the the distributors doing an adequate job or a good job uh getting the brand messaging across in their in the local language or do you see a, a much larger benefit of uh a Bushmills having a German speaking brand ambassador or uh, if you go into any other categories like Pandaren having or whatever yeah. Yeah. Um Again, some do, some don't. Some really make the effort. Some, 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 some can't be bothered, and that's 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 really it at the end of the day. And and some have sales targets to reach, and when they reach them, that's it. They're done. Uh, and others go, no, we can do so much more, and we're interested in the brand, and we're committed to it, and we see the potential. And and just that sales target that's been set, that's not enough. We know that the market could be so much bigger, and you know, let's let's be honest. We can earn a lot of money for it, and maybe create new jobs, and 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 and, and all of these things play a role. Um, I, I've seen I've seen fantastic distributors that really do everything. They offer it in English. They offer it to to, to multiple groups. They offer it in German. Everything. The marketing is spot on. The message of the distillery, the original sort of, you know, ghost or spirit that the distillery wanted to put out into the world. Um, that's been translated one to one down to the individual consumers. The there are other ones, and they're they're not doing it. It's 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 quite difficult. I think your success as an Irish whiskey producer, it doesn't lie one hundred percent with the distributor, but a lot of it does. The groundwork is being done by them, and whether they're being true to your message or not, you know that's also very hard for you as a, a you know a non language speaker to to check afterwards. I suppose that's a really good point. If I don't speak German, I have no idea yeah. what German message is being delivered. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, you you can tell me, you know, you know, say this, tell us this about the product, give this kind of information, whatever. Uh, if you don't speak German, I can put whatever I like out of my my press statement, and you'll be none the wiser. You'll probably look to see how many cases I'm selling, and then that's that's basically it. I um I've been to numerous different countries selling uh, Irish whiskey, and I've had numerous occasions where I've had translators um for obviously my lack of whether it's Japanese or Italian or Dutch or whatever it might be, 
Um, and some of the things that always throw me is uh, if I say very little and then the translator speaks for like seven and a half minutes, oh, I'm, I'm always sitting there going, like, I, I, I'd be like, well, this is made in, you know, Ballyhonus. And they'd be like, okay. And like seven minutes later, you're like, what are you like? What, why are we so, or when I say something incredibly long and they have a one sentence translation, I'm like, well, hang on. Did they forget some or what's happening? And then, you know, I'm like, have you explained this already? Do they already, like, how do we, and then the, the worst one is when I say something that's not funny and it's translated and the room erupts in laughter, that's, I'm, that is the worst. That throws me every time. <laughs> yeah. you'd be, you'd the event will be finished. You'll be sitting back in your hotel, going, "What? What was that about? What did I say? Yeah. What have I done?" Well, yeah. I've I've had some terrible translation issues too. I've I've tried to introduce myself in uh, in Japanese, um, and instead of I left out one word that changed the sentence from "I am from Ireland" to "I am Ireland," uh, which was great. Um, yes. <laughs> I uh, I also um, I've mistranslated a couple of words that became curse words. Uh, that was great. Uh, I think unforgettable, but uh. <laughs> I, I think we've all done that. I mean, my 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 favorite favorite story was at the at the very very beginning when I when I you know I was just visiting or something. I, I we were in this restaurant and and we asked you know uh, I asked I asked my girlfriend look how do I say that the food was was delicious you know and she said yeah just say that you know when the guy asks you when the waiter asks you say you know that's va lecker. So the waiter comes over to the table and I said I couldn't remember any of that but I remember the word lecker. And I said, yeah, Schlecker. Now, Schlecker was a chain of um, you know, druggeries, like boots at the time. Swater is looking at me and I'm going, Schlecker. And he goes, okay, uh, yeah. And I'm going, Schlecker, Schlecker, Schlecker. I'm not joking. I can still remember this guy's face looking at me going, oh my God, this guy's a nut. <laughs> uh, well, at least, at least they're the things we can look back and laugh at now. Yeah, I mean, we we can't we can't forget the the faux pas of Irish mist either. You know, there's a, a like a spirit drink, a liqueur on the on the market in, in in Germany still to this day called Irish mist, and mist is the German word for dung, and uh, it it still sells. I don't know who's buying it, but <laughs> people are definitely doing it. That's uh, yeah, no, and there's a few brands that have had hilarious um, translations. Um, I know there's there's. There's one brand uh, that they're the nickname of the brand. I think means uh, "fuck" in Chinese, and they sell tons of T-shirts with with the the brand name on the uh, on the T-shirt, and um, it's it's one of those things that there's, there's you know you always you always get the market or the sales executives are very confused why T-shirt sales are up a thousand percent. You know, even even bad publicity can be good publicity, I suppose. Exactly, everyone wandering around wearing your T-shirt because it's ironic um but um yeah but just to to kind of just to to sort of to jump on the back of that uh you know with what's going on here what's what's going to go on what's 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 coming with consumers consumers are educated um there is a divide between older and younger ones as to what they expect and what they want um you know most Germans love the country they they love the products coming out of it um, and, and on top of it, you know, they, they really, really enjoy the whiskey. And when we've got a story to tell them, they're, they're interested. They, they want to listen to the story and they enjoy having the products. And, you know, it's, it's like going on a mini holiday. And when we can facilitate that as, as marketers or as uh, ambassadors, 
That's fantastic because at the end of the day, at the beginning of our conversation, I said to you, the reason why I started doing whiskey tastings was because I'd been to so many bad ones. In Ireland, you 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 go out for an evening and, and whiskey is your kind of your companion. It's not particularly the focus of the evening and you end up having a great night and maybe you've learned something about whiskey, but you know maybe you've made a new friend or a new business contact or whatever else like that. And that's all I really try to do as well. And I think that's the way forward to getting to getting to our to our consumers. Um, they want a nice evening. They want a nice time. They want to find something new and maybe maybe learn something about whiskey along the way. But that's sometimes secondary, and we, we can't forget that they didn't come out of their apartment to be to be nerds. They came out of their apartment to have a nice time, and as long as we can give them that. Maybe the nerd stuff is is uh, is good as well, but um, it's it's all about that connection with people. Exactly. Well, Gro, thank you so much for your time and and your insight into the the whiskey market in Germany. Uh, if people wanted to find you online or or wanted to hit up the the independent whiskey consultant uh, in Germany, where should people be looking to find you uh, on on the socials or uh, or otherwise? So, um, like, as, as we said at the beginning, my name is Garod, and it's Garod O'Callaghan. Now, that's a mouthful for Germans. And when they see the Irish uh, spelling of the name, they have no idea what to say. Uh, so a long time ago, I decided, look, I'm going to have to make it easy for my consumers, and, and, they, and they can't pronounce it and, and whatever else like this. So let's just make it easy. Um, I started calling my, my whiskey work The Whiskey Jack. Um, whiskey without an E and um, that's my handle on, on, on Instagram and my website is thewhiskeyjack.com you can stay up to date with everything that's going on and where to find me as you said on, on Clubhouse it's at GOC um, yeah hopefully, hopefully I can have a little bit more of a conversation with people in the future then exactly and on Instagram I think you're the.whiskey.jack as well that's right that the dot whiskey dot jack and whiskey without a just the international spelling without the e exactly well make sure we get the shout out on all of the different uh, social media profiles well the whiskey jack mr grodo callahan uh grovina margaret um and uh danke schon yeah vielen dank Matt, and um hopefully bis next mal Vielleicht gibt es irgendwann eine deutsche Variante von dem Podcast von uns. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Grod.